Hey, welcome back to Bald Move Pulp. You know, it's the day after Halloween, but we're still serving up some chills and thrills here. We've got uh, the 35th anniversary of John Carpenter's They Live is upon us. It's it's anniversary eve of anniversary-ween for, for They Live. Uh, this movie is a science fiction horror film directed by John Carpenter. Screenplay written by John Carpenter. Music composed by John Carpenter. It was based on uh, a short story, 8 o'clock in the morning, by Ray Nelson. It stars Rowdy Roddy Piper, famous WWF heel, and perhaps arguably one of the most gifted uh, talkers, uh, promo runners of all time. Uh, hmm. You see his verbal dexterity in full, full display in this movie. <laughs> hmm. Also, Keith David, uh, he could be seen as Mr. President on Rick and Morty currently. We've also seen him uh, in Carpenter's The Thing, Platoon. There's something about Mary. How'd you get the the, the beans over the Frank? <laughs> uh, community? Yeah, he's, uh, he's a legend. Um, and my esteem for him has gone through the roof after I've read some trivia on the making of this movie. Uh, Meg Foster's Holly Thompson. Uh, you would swear to God you've never ever seen this actress, right, Jim? That I've not seen her? Not seen her, yes. Uh, no. I would I would assume I had seen her. She looks very oh. familiar. She she was Evil Lynn from Masters of the Universe in the year before oh, last wow. Badass okay. Fest, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, slightly different character, slightly different look. Uh, finally, Raymond St. Jacques. A noted civil rights activist. He was also the first black actor to be a series regular in Western uh, Rawhide. Uh, I have only seen this film once before. And I know because of why I saw it, exactly where and when I was in life when I saw it. (laughs) And I'll have some things to say about that. But I'm curious about you. You're more of the horror guy. You're more of a John Carpenter dude. Uh, What's your experience (laughs) with They Live? Uh, you would think I would have seen this movie, and you, you would have think not I'd seen be this movie. A big John Carpenter guy, but a I had never seen this movie before, <laughs> and b looking through John Carpenter's catalog, I've seen four or five of his movies. I've seen Ghost from Mars. I've seen Now They Live, Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing. And Halloween, and that's it. I've never oh seen God, some of those I've big seen... ones like The Fog and yeah, the only uh, one you have from the Escape from movies, right? That's the thing. I I haven't seen Ghosts of From Mars. Um, no, wait, I have seen that movie. Oh, Holy yeah, shit! Ghosts I thought that Mars. was an old, but that that was a relatively modern movie in the last twenty years or so. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen both of the Escape Froms. So wow, okay, I guess I'm the big Carpenter guy here. Apparently, uh, yeah. I did did not see that coming. Uh, what do you think of the movie then, as your first time through? Uh, I really really enjoyed this movie, um, but maybe not for the reasons that John Carpenter wanted me to. I, well, no, he he's got a sense of humor. I enjoyed it mostly for the humor, um, and the sort of ridiculous nature of everything happening. Like, there are a couple of scene action scenes that are just over the top hilarious to me. Um, I, I, I enjoyed, and, and the thing that really struck me about this movie, uh, and its commentary is how much the commentary 
can be just lifted directly from this movie and plopped down in 2023 in any movie and have it ring completely true today as well. Like there, there is no difference in the issues that we are dealing with between 1988 and 2023, 35 years later. Uh, it's sad, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do want to talk more directly about that, I guess later, but the thing I noticed, and this wasn't helped by me having gone to the theater last night to see Halloween for the first time in the theater. I had seen Halloween before, but it had been oh, a long right. time. I forgot about that. Yeah. And so my wife and I went, they did a special showing of it last night and I watched it and I, I was just struck by how, let's say, deliberately paced that movie is. Yes. That dude. movie has, in my opinion, pacing problems. Although yes. I think a lot of defenders would say that it's part of what builds the atmosphere. Fine. But I thought it was a problem. I think there are problems here with the pacing too. Like not enormous ones better than Halloween's pacing problems, but I think John Carpenter just has some issues with pacing. He he's got some things he wants to do and he's yeah. really going for them and they come out to me as being too much. I wonder if he gets in love with the material, you know, because like there's yeah. a couple things that I yeah. think there's a couple things I thought were indulgent in a way that I was like, "Yes, I will indulge this." And there's a couple things uh-huh, I know what uh-huh. you mean, like the the third act is kind of flabby. And, you know. and and the the reveal of the like the actual plot reveal here um really when that happens i felt like that lingered on that moment far too long for what it was doing all, all it was doing is telling you this is what is happening behind the scenes here and yeah. it spent like three minutes on it i didn't need three minutes of well i don't i don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it i, I do yeah, highly yeah, yeah. recommend this movie though god it's a lot of fun yeah, it's super fun. This is like a badass blue collar communist manifesto when you get down to the the bottom of it. Um, sure. You know, the rich and powerful are controlling us. Uh, they're conditioning us to consume and to um, not think critically about things and to be obsessed with like sex and violence. And um, and it's funny because like he, uh, you know, famously Carpenter intended this to be a critique of the Reagan era and um, mm-hmm. gosh I can't get too much into spoilers because I was like you know Ronald Reagan kind of makes an appearance by proxy in this and sure. uh, he's like I I wanted to make something about the consumerism and about the hyper again this is 1987 when this movie uh, came out I want to say something about the hyper capitalism and the consumerism and the Reaganomics of everything and then you know 20 years later uh, guys would come out and be, or I guess 30 years later, guys would come out and be like, you know what? This is about the Jews running the world. And <laughs> fucking John Carpenter had to come out of retirement and be like, no, you fucking freaks. This is about mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan and yuppies. You get, leave the Jews alone, goddamn. Um, and what's funny about this is like, oh, so I saw this. I used to be a big, I guess I still am kind of a South Park fan. I was watching, I watched a couple of last seasons. I heard they had some Warhammer and I had to check it out. <laughs> but I used to be really into the to South Park because mm-hmm. it flattered mm-hmm. my ultimately conservative, but like surface level liberal ideas about the world. Um, and there was one episode where two little boys who were special uh, Olympians, uh, one of which who had succumbed to the call of performance enhancing drugs, tried to force the other one to take the drugs and it was a five and a half minute scene of this kid in crutches and a wheelchair just kicking the shit out of each other 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a wild thing to do, even by South Park standards, right? Uh, and I heard <laughs> online that this was an extended homage, like a shot-for-shot shot homage of this scene in They Live. And I'm like, I gotta fucking nice. see this movie. If they can just drop a five-and-a-half-minute no-holds-barred alley fight in the middle, like, how in the world does that work into the plot? And, um, you know, I watched it and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a silly little movie. It's a science fiction thing. You know, it doesn't have any any bearing on on real world or, you know, like uh, it's it's a satire and all that kind of stuff. And then I and and then I watched it today and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, this is fucking (laughs) marks like straight up. Um, Sure. So, yeah, it's I I think the visual effects are still pretty effective. Um, again, I don't mm-hmm. want to say too much. Mm-hmm. If you if you made it, if if you, you precious little baby, you've made it this far in life, like Jim, and you haven't seen They Live, I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, but uh, he, you know, Carpenter is known for practical effects. Um, he's known for a really dark sense of humor, and I think that really shines through in this movie. I was surprised because, like, I you know, my prejudice in this film because again, it's been I I was like in my mid twenties last time I saw this, and. Uh, when I was going to sit down and watch this, I was like, man, I bet Roddy, I bet, uh, I bet Roddy Piper kind of sucks. I bet he's he's pretty bad in this film. I, I, I mean, I don't know from good acting because like he's just he's pretty one, but like he does exactly the job he has to do. It's like not quite because he doesn't have the he doesn't have the this this isn't that material, but like early goings, like it reminded me a lot of like Sylvester Stallone in the first Rambo, you know. Okay. It's kind of yeah. like morally upright drifter who's being put upon by society and he just like he's not doing much in terms of emotional. He's just like disturbed. Now, of course, Stallone hits a gear. Yeah. That, at the end of that movie, that's just like. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Mr. Piper no. possesses and no. this material is pretty much stuck in first and second gear. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. It's a fun little it's a fun little sat- satirical parable. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, man, I. I don't want to think about satire and parody anymore, especially when you're talking about complex societal issues, because I feel like more often than not, it gets co-opted. Like, you know, look what happened to the Matrix. <laughs> look what happened mm, to They yeah. Live. Look what happens. A lot of these things get co-opted by like the opposite, because like for a good parody, it has to kind of have some truth and kind of, and you know, the, the wrong people can, can see this as like aspirational instead of like cautionary. So I, I really liked it. Um, mm-hmm. I liked it better the second time I watched it when it wasn't just a curiosity of how the hell they're going to have a five minute brawl. This is like the quiet man. Oh, it's um, worth it for that alone. Like if it you, is. If you have no other reason to watch this movie, don't care about the messages of the film. Go watch it for that fight scene. It's incredible. We might spend five and a half minutes breaking it down because it is brilliant Easily. in its pace. Like like <laughs> the film might have pacing issues, but that sequence does uh-huh. not. It is nope. flawless. <laughs> you flawless. Asking, You're like oh, a five and a half minute fight scene doesn't have pacing issues. It's because it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's truly mano a mano. There's not like hordes of ninjas pulling it and pull. For, there's no like weapons involved. It's just two men. Yeah, putting when up th- dukes. <laughs> when I think of a five and a half minute fight scene, I think of like a Jackie Chan movie or a Bruce Lee right. movie where he's fighting through an entire complex full of dudes, each one yeah. bigger than the last. Nope. This is just two dudes in an alley beating the yeah. shit out of each other. 
complicated weaponry changes nope. and seeing you're going to get blown through walls in different environments and just just to keep it from seeming like it's the same and monotonous the, but the John environments Carpenter. here are pavement dumpster and brick wall that's it <laughs> yes yes yeah um it's it's uh it's it really does live up to its billing um what else we got to say like um it's interesting because like i have really been impressed by Car- john carpenter's scores Mm-hmm. This was an interesting kind of bluesy one that I'm not sure entirely fit the tone and sensibility of the film, but it didn't take away from. Yeah, this is not like Bloodsport where you've got, you know, crazy tro- tropical, like uh, weird shit going on. Yeah, steel drums yeah, and stuff. Steel drums and. No, this is it's a little out there, but it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, that Michael Douglas movie we watched a couple years back, Black Rain, where it's like the soundtrack is fully what the fuck half of the time taking you uh-huh. out of the action. But it was and it worked a little bit in the beginning when it's kind of like, you know, he's just walking around the city, uh, shirt on his back, can't find work, mm-hmm. you know, hard scrabble. And but like <laughs> later in the movie, when the plot develops, it's hmm interesting. But uh, yeah. he did it. He did it all by himself. Um and then the other thing is like I think um, another hallmark of like I guess Carpenter filmmaking is it's pretty mostly pedestrian you know you're not going to be like blown away by any wonders or crazy camera techniques or cinematography it's it's uh, pretty meat and potatoes um, yeah the the effects usually uh, are interesting and exciting yeah, but yeah as far as directing goes it's not crazy over the top We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.baldmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you. And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad-free feeds. And now, back with more Bald Move. Uh, what do we want to say in introduction, and then we can get on to the. You ready to get to the to the spoiler section? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Well, if you haven't seen this, the setup for it is uh, there. This is the the mid '80s, and uh, uh, you'll never guess that things in America are expensive. The interest rates are sky high. Unemployment skyrocketing. It's hard for people out there to make a make a buck lots of homeless lots of crime lots of hopelessness and despair into this city walks roddy piper he's got a backpack on it looks like he might be a former soldier or something he's got a sleeping bag he's manifestly homeless and he's trying to find a job uh trying to find a space to live um when he 
starts to notice there's some odd things around the homeless camp that he's he's parked at. There's a there's a church that plays uh, church music, but there's there's no one ever goes in and out, and uh, there's secret things happening at night, and uh, there's 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 odd goings on, and uh, he decides to investigate, which leads him to making some incredible discoveries about the nature of the system that he. Uh, is found himself in and the nature of the the elite the political and, and financially elite uh, and it goes places so if you want to experience they live spoiler free for the first time and if, if you made it 35 years into its career now's the time you want to bail and then uh, pick us up later after you've watched it um, okay where do we want to start uh, maybe the actors and the characters and such because uh, I was not familiar with Roddy Piper's work, but Keith David, I'm very familiar with. Love him. You know, the thing is, is I don't have I ever seen Keith David as like a stone cold badass before. Uh, you have to have, right? You always forget because Keanu plays like a brainy type of dude. Like he doesn't usually most of his characters don't rely on his, their, his wits and stuff. Um, but like he is a solid guy. Like he is every bit as big as Roddy Piper. And if he's not as well muscled, he's definitely got that beef on the frame. And it's not a joke when they f- go toe to toe and that that spectacular yeah, fight scene. For sure. I, I was kind of expecting it to be. And then I'm like, oh, no, he's actually, you know, holding his own here. In a believable way. And I really like how they take his character. Like he is. So Roddy Piper, you know, shows up and this guy, you know, he's also parked in his camp. Although he's got a wife and kids. I'm not sure. Like, was he just helping him to the homeless place and he was going to go to his house or, or what? But, you know, he's, he's commiserating this guy talking about how the system's rigged against us. Um, you know, uh and and rowdy Rowdy, and like what a raw job it is and piper's like you know i believe in the american dream and i you know so i'm I'm down on my luck right now but if i i I keep walking straight and you know doing what you're supposed to i'm gonna get a piece of this american dream too and at the like one of the the act breaks they have completely reversed positions and keith david is like willfully blind to the system around him roddy piper is literally trying to help him see and mm-hmm. now Keith David is the guy saying, hey, look, man, I got a wife and kids. I'm just trying to white walk that white line. I'm trying to stay in my. I thought that was a really interest, uh, interesting dichotomy in their characters. Yeah, I'm not really sure how that switch happened. Um, well, I think it's when the thing that that happens between those two points is the cops bust in and break up the, the operation they got going there. But he's well, always been kind thing... of ignorant of it anyway, right? Is I think the big thing happened is Roddy Piper became a mass murderer in Keith David's eyes. And he's like, mm. yo, man, like, I'm not that, you know, I might be politically radical, but I'm not I'm not this kind of crazy. I'm not like picking up guns and shooting up a bank kind of crazy. True. And True. just get the hell away from me, I think. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I want to talk about that fight. Like, that's clearly too working class men one black one white it's literally the meme like what they fear most is like the rednecks and the 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 black folk getting together and being like you know what 
this racism shit's bullshit. The people really keeping us down are mutual enemies. Let's tight team up and unite. It's literally that meme. It's literally Arnold Schwarzenegger yep. and Carl Weathers. But they have to go through a river of shit to get there. Uh-huh. Um but it's so it's like that's the thing. It's like it's it's like the the black man and white man, the poor black and poor white man struggling and beating each other up in the streets while the literal over alien overlords are getting rich and laughing over it all. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was like super, super on point satire, but it's, it's super effective. Oh, yeah. No, the the like I said in the intro, the 35 years since this movie has been made, nothing has changed. All of the issues are exactly the same as the ones that they're dealing with in this movie. You know, I've been trying because I I thought about that a lot, too, because like, you know, that's a lot of my takes. Like when we watch Syriana, it's like Syriana feels like it's predicting the future, but it's only because nothing has changed in the two decades since that film came out. It didn't predict the future. Mm -hmm. It's just it said what was happening to print and then it just kept on happening. Yep. Um. Because the thing is, is like it's not so much that it's we're still dealing with the same problems. It's more of like things go in a cycle, and like we were probably due for a cycle of kind of like you know civic betterment and and uh, you know coming out of the rich eighties and stuff, and and kind of like hey, you know maybe we should pay our taxes and fund public works and and make society better. Like we were due for that cycle, but then like nine eleven happened, and the country has kind of been cra- crazy ever since. Uh, hmm. So it's like I, I don't know, because I felt like they're like like right at the turn of millennium, there was an optimism like I'd never seen in my life that like you know the the the, the all the big wars are over and there's plenty of money to go around and we're at the end of history and we just get to polish everything up and make it better and uh, yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's it's hard to square that happened. though with like the roots of all this the the capitalist strife that's going on right now like. Because the 80s is when that started in full force. It's yeah, like when all good. the money started flowing up um, and yeah. none of it You down. had since World War, since the Great Depression and World War II, this unprecedented explosion of the middle class and, mm-hmm. you know, all this unending economic opportunity. And then you had some geopolitical bullshit that brought things down temporarily late 70s. And then as greed is good. And yeah, we financialization stuck- became the thing that our system does and i i feel like it has not stopped and so like the the 90s prosperity that you can point to and say like yeah it looks good from here on out might have just been a false it might have been like an eye of a storm kind of thing but where so, we haven't also, fully felt the effects of it yet it's also stuff that we did deliberately like you know um you know what two to four trillion spent on war the last two decades like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. shit that's a lot of fucking money that could have gone to a lot of fucking causes and it, sure. it didn't and sometimes you wonder if like that's like architected by design um it's like you know i, I think i've i've gotten in a familiar uh rhythm of uh Nah, I don't want to get too. Pl- <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> I say, yeah, you're gonna you're risking the aliens busting in and taking you away, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just like um, it, it's just it's just a tragedy, and it's a shame because like I think there has been progress made, and some of these, you know, like crime is a fraction of what it was at this time. Sure, sure. And there's been a lot of progress made in terms of equality, in terms of like racial and gender and sexual and all those kind of things. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. the core kind of festering economic issues. Um, yeah, and and 
climate issues too. I mean, the, the, one of the things that they don't hammer on as much, but is definitely a point that it's making is that all of this consumerism and, yeah. uh, you know, just encouragement to breed and create slaves for the upper class. All of that is also sucking the planet dry, right? Yeah. Th- that's not as overt in this movie, but it's definitely there. I mean, yeah, without sure. a doubt. Um, and the idea that the, the funny thing that makes it the, the satire work is, uh, you know, in the early stages where Keith David's kind of like bending Roddy's ear about this stuff, it's like, you know, they've created this repressive system. They are keeping us down. They, they, they. And the chilling thing in real life is it's not they, it's us. It's it's a small sec- sec- section of us. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's humans doing this to each other. It's not some evil alien race that's sucking our bone marrow dry and stealing our oceans and atmosphere it's just it's just 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 us well you just haven't properly categorized them they're a they they're just not from another planet (laughs) the other things i thought there's interesting like where the satire breaks down like when roddy gets his glasses on and um you know he can see they he can see Mm -hmm. through the the brain scramblers and whatnot um the upper classes don't mix with the lower classes like they're, they're like you see the aliens in the, the the hair salon and they're talking to the other humans and they're just like, you know, at the lunch counter with this like, yeah, in real life, they would they would all just be on their alien mothership, you know, toasting to themselves and they would have parties that uh, names would be strictly mm-hmm. checked on and. You know, they would have exclusive resorts that you have to sign a three hundred thousand dollar membership to even to know about. And because like, yeah, uh and then if you are not, if you are not, if, if you, if like, I feel like some people, you know, there's, there's a couple built, you know, imagine, uh, I've seen the demographic surveys. There's, there's bald movers that have some, some wealth and money. Uh, and I wonder if they like kind of bristle or get uncomfortable when we talk this way. I, I just want to make it a point that like, unless you know about those $300,000 membership exclusive kind of things, or you got a pro, I'm not talking about you. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, just as working I, I, class. You doctors uh-huh. making five hundred thousand dollars a year are probably just as much working class as I am, and that you couldn't just stop working tomorrow, could you? Because you got the house and you got the colleges and you got all that stuff. To be- we're all fucking working class. We're not taught. We're we need to get some solidarity between the 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 lower upper classes and the lower class because we're all getting fucked in this in inequality. So yeah, yeah. There, there's a huge distinction between the the, the people who are wealthy. And the people who yeah. use that wealth to perpetuate systems that are yeah. only in their favor. Uh, and, I, and I think the vast majority of people listening to us do not fall into that category. Yeah. And I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt the capital. I don't want to do anything bad. To, I just want to them to pay back into the system. Like historically, you know, when 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 times have been good, that's the, the times have been good when we've made people pay, pay their fair share. Um, and the thing is, is like. I'll also say that like when I watched this as a like a 26 year old and I was like three years into my first, you know, IT job uh, that was paying like six figures. And this was back in the early aughts and so in, in the Midwest. So that was a lot. I like I, 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 I was I was like Roddy Piper in the beginning of this movie because like I came from kind of relatively modest background. I didn't even have a college degree. And just because I worked hard and I was smart and I did everything right. And I, you know, I, the American dream worked out for me. Hmm. And it was really that satisfying. Why? That's why hmm. it's really. Well, what else could it be, Jim? What else could it be? But the sweat of my own brow, <sighs> yeah. the strength of my hand and you know, the, the sharpness you, of my wits that got me into position I was in. When you put it like that, it's hard to refute. 
I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to take a stab. What other forces Maybe could possibly? Maybe. There's a lot Maybe of work. There there's luck. a lot. There's a lot of unearned privilege. There's a lot of, you know, like I said, I don't want to short sell myself short. There was also the, the, the hard work and all, the, all that kind of stuff, too. But like, yeah, like when I was younger and a lot more ignorant about how the wor- world worked, um, I yeah, like I watch this movie is this it's like the way I watched Star Wars as a kid, like Star Wars is criticizing America's imperialism and casting explicitly <laughs> the Viet Cong who we were fighting just got done fighting at the time as the good guys. But it was just a space sword spectacular, you know, when I'm watching it. And that's the way I watched They Live. They Live is a funny little, like, oh, imagine if what the, the liberals and the commie kids said was true, you know, kind of like, oh, oh, that'd be, okay. it's an interesting backstop. It's an interesting galactic empire for a little rotty alliance to to, to fight against, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, like I said, there's, and there's people every day to watch this movie and get the wrong idea. I, I In 2017, John Carpenter had to come out and say, you fucking Nazi goons lay off with this stuff. This is not what this movie's about, you dumbasses. Um, mm-hmm. But it just shows how you can get the kind of messaging on this stuff twist or just miss the point entirely because of where you're at in, in your life and the world and your understanding of it. So, Yeah, kind of crazy to me. You know, with my perspective, I watched this movie and it seems blatantly obvious what it's trying to do, but... But and yeah. to the point where like it's it's almost too blatantly obvious it, it almost becomes ridiculous in its own right where like yeah it, let's talk about the reveal here where he puts on the sunglasses for the first time you know and then takes them off and puts them on and takes them off and puts them on for a good five plus minutes it's longer than the fight scene um which is egregious in its own right Th- they really take their time spelling everything out man they must be 10 minutes of this movie as him looking at magazine racks, him looking at billboards, him looking at people, him looking at hair shops and general stores and bodegas. And I, I mean, it's, it's a long ass point to make and it's not a complicated point. Yeah. And for, but I don't know why I didn't, I, I don't know why I didn't feel that way about it. I guess it's uh, because I was just like amused by the makeup effect works. I was amused by the subliminal messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was noticing. I was also like noticing some like funny incongruencies about the world. Like, why did fucking aliens buy news the newspapers? What do they get out of that? Uh, can, can can they I see the sub, could they see the subliminal messaging? Did they just buy? Did they just are? Did they actually have? Because the whole point of that is like. It's just shit that they're mm-hmm. using to manipulate us. So, like, why is this guy paying two quarters? To, is he just keeping up appearances? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, good question. I don't know. Uh, but I was, I, that was just keeping me entertained. I, I noticed the pacing more in the back half uh, the movie. But, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and they are clearly Carpenter's enjoying these, like, you know, skull-faced alien things. And oh, yeah, yeah. Did, did you get the Ted Turner shots, too? Um, Not until I read, you know, the the wikipedia page about this and they were talking about how you know he had been colorizing movies at the time and it was like okay yeah and so he goes black and white here yeah sure. this was a big scandal among cinephiles mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. ted turner's gone back in color i never i still don't to this day like is it disrespectful to the act directors i don't know and to the extent that they're dead i don't care uh, if like uh, living directors are like, don't fucking colorize my shit, bro. I th- don't think you should to respect this, you know, your their creativity. But like, I don't understand what the problem is. So is Disney just waiting for Lucas to die before they release the theatrical cuts? Because <laughs> like, dude, they and, might. And, and, 
I, this stuff still goes on today, right? Like it's like uh, there is a battle between creators and people who want to make money, and artists and people who want to make money, and it goes down to even Scorsese today, right? I saw I was reading about him, or I guess the production company. It's him. Um, it's probably him. Did. Knowing it's knowing probably what both I do too. about Scorsese. It's probably who, both because the production company wants more theatric, more showings during the day, and so so the thing here is he, the the companies were going after small theaters who had chosen to put intermissions in Killers of the Flower Moon between you know six to fifteen minute Which, intermission, and they were telling them you can't do that; it's not in the contract. And there's absolutely no defense other than there is no creative. There is no creative defense. No, it is. No. By far, the better way to watch that movie is taking intermission, using the bathroom, grabbing a drink, rather than suffer through wet crotch and dry throat for the final hour of that <laughs> fucking movie. I mean, those problems solve each other, don't they? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, you bring the Gatorade uh, bottle. No, yeah. Okay. My point, All right. My point let's being, just keep. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know because there. I think by far the way to watch that movie is all in one sitting without having to go to the bathroom. That's yes. that's the way to watch it if you can manage it. But yeah, you know, the superhuman bladders aside, most of us can't. So yeah, I I see where he's coming from, or where this I don't know the production companies, where the people involved, the editors or something are coming from. Um, but at the same time, let people use uh, do their human bodily functions if they need to. Agreed. Yeah, I haven't seen a single defense. I've seen a lot of people like, well, no one said this with Avengers Endgame or no one said this. And I'm like, you're right. Those are also movies that could have benefited from a 10, 15 minute intermission. Thank you for making you. We should have. Yes. If there's a movie longer. Avengers Endgame isn't art. Come on. I mean, it has. (laughs) art. First of all, art elements. But the thing as a whole is not created for the sake of art. This is. I don't know if Andy Warhol can paint four psychedelic soup cans and call it art, then I think Marvel shit can stand too. But like, I don't I mean, know. My opinion yeah. of Andy Warhol's not super high anyway. So okay. <laughs> wow, banger take after banger take. This uh-huh, is, I love uh-huh. this. We need to do 35th anniversary <laughs> Carpenter stuff more often. I'll do a five minute fight <laughs> with Andy Warhol in an alley. <laughs> um. Oh Jesus, where were we going? I had a point. Oh, <laughs> Ted Turner. Yeah, 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 the whole idea movies. that the the see the reality you put them on in the world's black and white, and then mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty clever. But then at the big high mucky muck, uh, well, when they're having the um, the fire and brimstone guy talking about you know how we gotta be patient, we gotta fight the aliens and all that kind of stuff, he says they've taken us and they've colorized us and they've done this and that, and it's like yeah, they're yeah, uh, really really taking it to uh, really taking it to the old Ted there. Um, Which I don't know. I mean, is he colorizing the original prints or is he just making prints that are colorized? Because that would be hilarious I, if he's actually go breaking into the Library of Congress, <laughs> right. Nick Cage style, stealing the film and with crayons, just literally <laughs> <laughs> they'll never see it in black and white again. That's the thing. Is he destroying the history? Or is he just making new history? Uh, I, I'm OK with the latter. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like. I would be OK with the st- I, <laughs> I would be okay with the Star Wars special editions, mm-hmm. but like I did not know the day I went to see Star Wars in the theaters for special editions, and I saw like, that that would be the that would be the only version of Star Wars I would have available yep. from that point forward. I thought surely you could get uh-huh. them either way, original or special edition. Why would? But I had no idea that Lucas was such a maniac about 
the purity of his original vision, which could only <laughs> uh-huh. be expressed 30 years later with a whole bunch of computers and shit. Like, I, I don't know, man. But so it's like, I'm fine if, if people want to colorize shit to make it more accessible. Like, if you get some 16-year-old punk to watch Casablanca, why not? Mm-hmm. But, like, fuck you if I can't watch the original, too. Yeah. And it gets tricky when the actual artist involved is the one doing it. Uh, the the actual original creator, you know, with yeah, Lucas, when the vandals like, are okay, coming well, from inside the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because Turner didn't sit behind the camera and make those fucking movies. Yeah, finance them. There's a big difference. Um, I uh, God, some of the shit that Roddy Piper says in this movie. Uh, there's the classic all time. Everyone, if you know anything about this movie. You know, two things about this movie, you know that there's a five and a half minute fist fight. And the second thing you know is that at one point, Roddy Piper says, I came here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. Now, if you're my age, you probably went through a good period of your life thinking that Duke Nukem said those lines uh, and that he was. Co- I, th- I thought if, mm-hmm. if, if, if I was aware that he was quoting anyone, I thought he'd be quoting Ash from the Evil Dead. Um, doesn't Ash say something similar in one of those? Uh, he must. I can't remember right now. I but. felt like he, but even then, if he did, it was one. I think it was Armies of Darkness, and it was an homage to this. So it's like it all mm-hmm. like this is the origin, and I guess this is something that Rod, like Roddy Piper, like like Emin, like like great rappers before him that have to do a whole bunch of like on the fly shit live keeps a notepad of like sick verse to hit his opponent with. And mm-hmm. Roddy had this like spiral bound smack book that he had like anytime he thinks of like a phrase he could t- say to a wrestler. And he, keep in mind, he had to keep this shit G rated. Well, PG rated, you can, you know, because he's saying this on on, on television. Uh, John Carpenter said, hey, I, can I go through that? And he picked and he got to that line. He's like, gee, <laughs> this has got to go into the script. So like uh-huh. this is a wrestling line put in this movie that is then made famous by a stupid stupid video game character uh it's interesting that scene because when he says that he's kind of just stumbled into an accidental bank robbery like he has been trying to run away from aliens who are trying to kill him Mm -hmm. uh, or abduct him whatever and he runs into this building with a machine gun and it turns out to be a bank and everybody turns around to look at him and freaks out and he realizes oops i've accidentally robbed this bank Mm-hmm. And then he gets a smirk on his face and decides to bust this line out. It, it what is what is going through his head at that point? He's like, "Well, I guess I'm a bank robber now. Let's do this." He's wanting to ventilate the the aliens who are uh, running the the banking system. Apparently, no, I I see where the neo Nazis are getting get <laughs> are making some some uh uh. Some connections here, but like I, that's what I took it is like he he it was an opportunity. He had he just, just stumbled into an opportunity, become to kill. armed because he beat up those cops, and that's how he got the weapons. And then mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. but um, that line he had where he's like running at this old woman who's the alien, and she's he's talking about how ugly she is and all that stuff. And it's like, you lady, <laughs> you it. look like you need a Brazilian plastic surgery. And I'm like, what <laughs> the not... hell was going on in Brazil and plastic surgery in the 80s that this like there had to be some kind of like. Was the Brazilian butt lift an illegal operation back in the 80s that people just whispered about? I guess. Got to go down to Rio to get your butt lifted. There's some had choice botched, lines there. I, had BB, I triple scene. BLs, botched Brazilian butt lifts? Was that a scandal? <laughs> sure. I don't know. I was too young. 
Um, yeah, when he turns, he he's like looking at that lady, calling her formaldehyde face and all this. And he turns to the other lady, "You, you're okay. You're this one, <laughs> real fucking ugly, real fucking ugly. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah, what must that woman think? Well, I guess I'm I okay. Had, I had forgotten because again, when the last time I saw this movie, I didn't take it too serious. Um, and I still don't take it that serious. It's 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 a, a fun little parable, but it's not that deep. Um. I was kind of shocked when it looked like John Carpenter is walking a love interest in this movie an hour into it. I'm like, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. is this like? You, do you have to check these boxes off if you're ostensibly an 80s action film? Uh, and I thought like I went through like multiple phases of this lady. Like, what the hell is going on? Is she insane? Oh, I see. She's doing that thing where she's pretending she's into the guy just so he'll drop his guard and then she throws him out a window. Oh, my God. Yes, she does. Second worst falling down a canyon scene I've ever seen, uh, only topped by Hot Rod, the movie Hot Rod. <laughs> and when you say worst, you mean best, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen Hot Rod and you think the bald move sensibility is funny, you should absolutely see hot rod mm-hmm. the movie watch it this weekend thank me later um yeah is, she where is the hills in this movie are constant and they're kind of bonkers where does this movie take place is this it LA? takes place in downtown new york and in the hills of beverly <laughs> i think literally How? is like that that shit is that, that no that was like shit that that took place in like the the canyons right like the always heard, he, hear about he the came canyons. from colorado right but but that's where he came from. I don't know where he's supposed to be in this movie. It's, it's probably weird. all L.A., honestly, right? I assume, yeah. I assume it was all shot in L.A. And they just went I up the hills. It felt like their downtown was a little denser than I was expecting and a little more skyscrapery than I was expecting uh-huh. in the 80s. But, like, it, it makes sense that they'd shoot it all out there, right? It would, yeah. I thought maybe uh, a second yeah. option would have been, like, San Francisco, but the downtown is too flat. So we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now back with more bald move. But they do, they do a thing where like, you know, I, 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 I thought she's, there's going to be kind of like a, is she a love interest kind of thing like commando? And then she kind of screws him mm-hmm. over and then she shows up at the rebellion and she's, you know, got religion since then, or she looked into his claims and she's, uncovered it she's working for the resistance and then it turns out she's like triple agent actually and tries to betray him at the end i thought that was kind of cool i was continually surprised and confused about what they were doing with that character yeah i feel like i should have seen her coming back um i don't know we we got started on kind of a whole tangent when we were talking about the fight scene and i really want to go back to it because i i don't uh, feel yeah. like we've explored it fully no, and this we, we talked about the subtext into it we talked about the subtext we have not talked about the text the, of the text fight. is so juicy uh it's it's just filled it's a garbage filled alley and, and there's juice everywhere too right like they're fighting in the literal puddles of garbage juice mm-hmm, running mm-hmm. down the street uh and the fighting is brutal in a way that's like, oh, yeah, these are just two big dudes slugging it out uh, and fighting dirty, fighting really dirty, like slamming each other on the pavement. I At one point, Keith David gets a, a pavement burn on the back of his head that looks horrible. I hated it. 
And then who who did did t- took the like six consecutive knees right to the groin? <laughs> Piper. It's Piper, Piper right? I, mm-hmm. I imagine that like it looked like most of the big wrestling moves Piper was doing. And uh-huh. um, here's something I learned in in and re- looking into this movie is that apparently this was only supposed to be like a 30 second scuffle. Oh, and really? David and Piper had the idea with his wrestling background that like just let us fight it out. We're gonna work this thing out. And like I guess other the only hits that they actually faked are the ones to the groin and face. But when you see them like punching <laughs> each other in the gut and knee, that's like done. Re- I mean, I'm sure they're not putting their back into it, but yeah, like pulling them, that's but... that's full contact. And you know, wow, I noticed that scene was noticeably better because almost every other combat, like Roddy Piper's doing wrestling punches. You know, mm-hmm. where like it's kind of convincing from certain angles and they sell nah. it with the motion and, and 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 stomping on the the mat. But they're mm-hmm. not. He's like clearly whiffing. And like there's a scene where the cops are like batoning and night sticking uh, a bunch of bums and, and people in the beginning, the members of the resistance and those that's like laughably bad. But like mm-hmm. in this fight they're and they're they're actually fucking doing it and it shows like it's noticed what they're making connections uh even yeah. that groin stuff looked really fucking real man it really looked like <laughs> david was taking it to him it's absolutely hilarious because i expect i everything about this fight is over the top i expected a groin shot or two right i'm thinking yeah. i am starting to count like the second one comes i'm like oh yeah hit him again and he yeah. hits him a third time, and I'm like, okay, that's surely, you know, rule of threes, that's as funny as it's going to get. How about another rule of three? How about I have a whole <laughs> set here of six of these things? Yeah. And then... Uh, a just, du- duology of trilogies of groin strikes. <laughs> right, it's the three-peat. Michael Jordan would be jealous <laughs> yeah. of these knee groins. Uh-huh. Uh, it, the other thing that really tickled me about this movie is the, or this fight is the way that it stops and starts over and over and over again you think it's done you think the guy's Dude. out and then he just, he gets a he gets a hand up from the other guy but and normally it would be the guy who's getting pulled up throws another punch to start it back up but the guy who's pulling him up punches just, him back down it's amazing yeah because it's it subverts and it feels naturally in the rhythm of the fight that's like yes this is where they would like okay we've punched yeah. ourselves out and and every single time <laughs> it's just as funny it's like it reminded me of uh speaking of other 90s bullshit but like adam sandler's first comedy album i think it's got everyone's okay. gonna make fun of you had this skit called the world's longest p oh, it's yeah, literally yeah. just five sec five minutes of adam sandler pissing in a in a in a bathroom and like it starts off like mm-hmm. an unusually long p and then it kind of trickles off and then it goes like a more forceful p and it just keeps every time it stops it gets like at the end it's like a fucking garden hose going you know on this yeah. thing and it's just so fucking funny because of that rhythm like the each individual sequence is funny but when you think it's over and it just goes back stronger <laughs> that's yeah. the rhythm of this fight it it keeps and again like I've never seen something like it where it's not like a Jackie Chan or a mm. Tony Jai Ja or like where it's a constant escalation of like set and setting and opponents and weapons and techniques yeah. and shit's on fire and it's just it's the same two guys in the same alley it's just the the escalation <laughs> is is personal because they get more and more like locked into like fuck you no fuck you you're wearing these glasses fuck you if you and this just the physicality of the fighting like in the end they're fucking trading mm-hmm. suplexes and shit <laughs> 
And it's not wire food. It's not digital. It's just two no. brawny dudes lifting each other and slamming each other into concrete. And apparently in real life, it's insane. Seems like it. There you were only never. two things that I knew. Huh? I was going to say, dude, you never, they would never sign off on this shit today. You would never, like oh, the two principal no. actors, they're going to sit and have like a no holds barred fight. And John Carpenter's going to sit there and crank the film and laugh like a, like it's like there's like like a maniacal Joker that that would ensure to never underwrite that nowadays. Nor should uh, they. Th- there were only two things I knew about this movie going in. One was the glasses that let you see the world as it is around you with the aliens and stuff. Yeah, huge and B, meme. this fight is long. That 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 yes. that was the two things I knew about this movie. This fight was long, and knowing how knowing that everybody says this is the a super long fight. And it's super good going into this fight. I was not prepared for how good and how long this fight is. Yeah, as I said, I I think I saw this a week after I saw the South Park episode, so I was primed, and the 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 glee was like, yes, it's it's like I saw it in rough animation, but it's like, yeah, it just goes on, and it's in the middle of the movie. There's no reason for it. It just the reason is he wants this guy to put sunglasses on. I, I think it's hilarious when you don't like when you don't think about the subtext of this scene, when you just think about the text, this is a five and a half minute fight, knockdown, drag out fight between two dudes trying to get the other to put a pair of sunglasses on. But it makes what sense in the context. Thinking? Yeah, but from Keith David's perspective, mm-hmm. from his character Frank's perspective in this moment, he's being beaten half to death by a guy <laughs> who desperately wants him to wear sunglasses. Uh, yeah, but he's also beating the other guy half to death because the thing is, is like to me, what makes it make sense is that Piper is an insane person because <laughs> he's got the zeal of the convert, and the convert is, is especially yeah. it's a pretty zesty conversion that like oh, actually, all the people causing problems are aliens and they're subverting oh, us yeah. intentionally. It's a big deal. But he's also like at this point in Keith David's life, he's a mass murderer. Mm. He's an insane <laughs> conspiracy theorist. You just showed up to give the guy the money that you don't got out of your pocket because you feel sorry for like whatever positions in it. And he's like, you just got to wear these sunglasses, bro. You got to put on these sunglasses, bro. Like, what the fuck is going to happen when I put on these sunglasses? Get the fuck out of my face. Like, I also love yeah. that he doesn't even consider running away. He doesn't consider ending this fight by no, getting away gonna, from the fight. He's, he's all in, man. this man down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's amazing. Um, the other thing that tickled me is how laughably bad the operational security is of the human resistance. Like, oh, hold, hold on, we gotta go back to this fight one second. Oh, you're not done with. Okay, I we're did, gonna. Yeah, this we, is a this is a five we're and a half minute fifteen scene minutes on this fight, fight scene. Yeah. Round three, ding, 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 <laughs> motherfucker, we're back in. What you got? And, and that's what happened. Every time I thought it was over, there's a moment where Roddy Piper, I think, yeah, it's it's Roddy Piper. He. They're both. He body slams Keith David to end this fight onto he the sure pavement, does. and I'm thinking, okay, fight over definitively. He might have just broken this man's back. He rolls over, and in Keith David's face, he says, "Fuck you," <laughs> and then the fight starts again. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. We're like halfway yeah, he- through the fight at that point. And even when he's incapacitated to end, David, he's still trying to slap his, him away and resist the glasses. And it's just such a great fuck you. The delivery is perfect there. Yeah, uh, it's right up yeah, there I with uh, David Caruso's "fuck yes. you" and 
tape From number nine. nine. What session nine? Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's another one you should watch this weekend. It's a lot of homework. You guys tell me you watch every every season of Voyager in between episodes of Enterprise. Well, here <laughs> giving you some assignments. Um. Anyway, God, where where do I want to go? Oh, the operational security of the human resistance. No wonder the aliens mm-hmm. are kicking our asses. Um. The headquarters of the human resistance allows a human bum who is the size of Roddy Piper to infiltrate their facility mm-hmm. and overhear and overlook everything. Uh, and I thought that was hilarious. I love how, like, everyone's reaction to getting the glasses for the first time is to unabashedly gawk at the aliens with any zero self-awareness at all. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of this stuff where it's like the humans are just hopelessly inept um mm-hmm. but then at the end of the movie when they're going into the third act and there uh meets the the big human resistance where they're all in the big and they're talking about how the guy like spends like half of his sermon talking about like we got it we're being too sloppy like half of us should there, there should be twice as many of us here because half of us have been killed you guys gotta like start and i'm like yes yeah preach man you should have <laughs> been here two weeks ago and saved some lives because these guys are hopeless yeah um, I mean, you've got them taking advice from collaborators too, so of course, yeah, of course they're bad. That's the other thing. But you know, that's that's uh, that might actually be intentional commentary about leftist organization to how they like, you know, oh, yeah. you you can't get three leftists together to plan something without two of them accusing one of being a Fed, and then sure. the, then then one of the other two is probably a Fed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's it's a real fucking mess. <laughs> um, speaking of a mess. At one point, Roddy loses his glasses. I think it's when the lady chucks him out the window. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, again, if you haven't seen this movie, I'm just just making a couch. Like she chucks him out a window. He falls like three floor four stories, and then rolls about a half mile down a a, 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 a canyon, uh-huh. and then walks up, dusts himself off, and feels sorry for himself. Um, he goes. He, he remembers that he threw away the the other boxes, sunglasses he stole from the human resistance, and he goes to track it down. And wouldn't you know it? The trash guys have just slowed into the trash truck. He's got to pop the in, the the end of that thing open and go in and get it. Do the guys notice that the trash their trash uh, barge is open in the back? Do the guys like what the hell did you lose? Did you leave the door open, Ernie, and go back there and close it? No, they do not. What they do do is they dump the entire dump truck of trash in the middle of this alley. Yeah. For no fucking reason other than to generate the least interesting action scene in the movie, which is him tumbling out into the trash. What? Yeah, that was pretty pathetic. Uh, what? Why did that happen? I think there's an argument going on about some unfair work practice thing. I, I think. Oh, and the guy guys gets pissed off and he's it. like, well, if, they, if it's going to be that way, then I'm going to dump this fucking trash right here and now. OK, so this is this is uh, th- this is how this is what happens in, in France when they try to raise the retirement age. The the garbage bin just that? I feel like the news just lost track of that at some point. Like I follow I the the AP and I feel like they just stopped talking about the French stuff. Well, there's been other point. things happening. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, yeah, they're, they're usually like they're decent taking a at lot keeping on the... more than one thread going at a time, but uh, yeah, and Francis has been taking it on the chin. It turns out there's a whole lot of like you know, 
<laughs> as a lot of the world is in its feelings about colonialism, it turns out France is still doing a whole bunch of colonialism in Africa all right. of all places. They're they're taking it on a chin left, right, domestically, foreign. They need to get your shit together. Um, but yeah, so so okay, that makes sense. It's a working class revolt. I think so. Yeah. Um, I thought that'd be interesting too. It's like. But I guess John Carpenter just doesn't have it, you know, and it is as he's trying to make a movie in the 80s. But like, it'd be an interesting point to make that, like, you don't have to believe the people in charge are aliens to, like, rise up and organize. And I'm not saying, again, you go with machine guns and shotguns about it. But like, yeah, dump all the trash, uh, park all the, the refuse, you know, call in, call in sick every Thursday that you're supposed to pick up trash, that kind of stuff. Like, you could. Mm-hmm. You know, fight the aliens passively that way. Uh, you don't have to like get a bunch of guns and blow up a transmitter and and do all that. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's too real. I mean, there's there's definitely a big organization message in this movie too. Like, uh, what one of the things that they're doing here, especially early in this movie, is showing how divided the quote unquote underclasses are here. Yeah, um, you've got this racially class. You get this Buck Flower guy. Um, who also uh, coincidentally plays the the homeless man. He's made a career of playing crazy homeless men. Uh, he does it in Back <laughs> to the Future as well. And, oh, that's that guy? Yeah, yeah, from the bench. Uh-huh, Wild. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he is the guy that every time the TV comes on, the, the hacker signal comes on the TV and is telling people about the real world and how it is and how they're being exploited. He's like, ah, bullshit. What is this crap? You know, turn the channel. What's this guy doing? Breaking into my right. So you got the, you got the underclasses fighting against themselves and they're not united. And if they were united, they could do something about this, but they're not. So they can't. Um, but one, one major blow for victory and it's going to be all over. Uh, I got to take out one transmitter. The, the aliens, yeah. the aliens have got one, but one transmitter. In New York slash L.A. And Roddy yeah. Piper takes this with, out with the smallest gun I've ever seen. Uh-huh. It's like a lady's derringer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the thing that just... uh, What's-Her-Face uses in Maverick, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Joni, Jody Foster, right? Um, I th- I or think it's Jody, or yeah. like Will Smith's Cricket. It's that. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And he like the way he, he's got this like he's got this huge pause, right? He's this giant wrestler guy. Um, uh-huh. which they make good use of like you know him, him, him peeling off his shirt and going doing this construction work and he's showing off his biceps and all that kind of stuff he's got this big massive paw and he's holding this teeny like I'm surprised he can actually get a full knuckle in the trigger guard to actually squeeze the trigger and mm-hmm. the way he just kind of lines up and boop the tower just explodes like he hit it with an oh, RPG yeah. Um, actually middle finger up this is another like late 80s pre-transition towards reality. Like I feel like uh, the the Gulf the first Gulf War happened. We were washed with combat vets in the 90s uh, looking for work and Hollywood's like, hey, can you teach us how to hold a gun? Because all of the <laughs> all the SWAT team guys are like they're just like John Carpenter's like putting them in like these tactical suits that are like kind of goofy by modern <laughs> standards camo and having them in a TV studio. Sure. Have him have him give him a gun and say, go down this hallway and look tactical. Mm -hmm. And like none. They're all just kind of like in a crouch with machine (laughs) guns at belt level. And they're just kind of like randomly putting their backs up against the walls, but not taking cover. It's like it's just it's like Keystone Cops level 
of yeah. of uh, d- d- tactical maneuvering, and it's just so funny. It's so funny uh, to go back into these like seventies and eighties uh, movies that are about you know like highly trained professional killers and see mm-hmm. them act like a stage troop of high schoolers. It's really funny. Yeah, even the best ones from the era are not immune. I mean, Predator. Yeah, Come Predator's on. a lot, lot of guys, a, a lot joke. of, a, a lot of poor discipline and blinking when you're shooting. That does. Mm-hmm. I don't think special forces guys do that. Uh, turns out when you close your eyes, can't see what you're hitting. Speaking uh, of this Buck Flower, this is homeless. Cr- yeah, I, I call him a cranky old shitter because that's what he is in this movie. Uh, why do they recruit this man into the, the elite organization at the end of this film? I mean, he is giving him great intel, and is there is there a utility? Because like my my question is, when did he become co opted? Was he always yes. co opted, and is that why he's like poo pooing everybody? So like they 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 take a random bum who is willing, and they recruit him, and then they each each homeless encampment has a designated shitter that just kind of like poo poos and could be. Yeah, I, I guess I consider that he was always he he was the uh, Holly Thompson of their camp. Did you know that line where he goes, "I don't"? What's the threat? We sell we sell out every day. Was actual uh, Hollywood executives' dismissal of the script? Because you says, "I don't I get that, it." Yeah, I don't get it. What's the threat? We sell out every day. Like like that guy is telling me. <laughs> If bloodthirsty aliens came and said, hey, uh-huh. we want to use your studio to harvest people as meat. Are you down with that? He'd be, yes, sir. Yeah. I would like Let's to know the name of that person. Salary. I, li- I would like uh-huh. to know. I would like to know that that executive's name. He's probably dead now. But like, yeah, yeah I think when you say when you say something that would imply that you'd betray your entire species to an mm-hmm. ex-galactic threat for mo money, I feel like <laughs> there should be a list. There should be a list. Sure. Hollywood makes their list. We can make our lists. The bald move list. That random executive. Yeah. No one ever names names on this stuff, though. Start um, some lists, man. Yeah, that's how that that never that always ends well. When you start making lists of people, and you just don't want to end up on a list. Making you don't want to end up on any lists. Um, you should Unless make a, a list of people list. making lists. Where does Rowdy Piper fit on the badass list, dude? He needs to be put on it. Um, let me check it. Like since you mentioned it, let me check it right now. The other thing I want to talk about is. Uh, a couple people we love and respect caught some strays in this movie. John Carpenter does not like Roger Ebert or Gene Siskel. Not one bit. What? Did you, did, is it because they not... complain about the pacing of his movies? I didn't see this. No, there is. There is. There, they when there's a scene where I can't remember who's watching a television, but they're flipping through. And one of them is clearly a Gene Siskel alien talking to a Roger Ebert alien. And they're oh. like, you know, these mod- these directors like, um, uh, God damn it, John! Who are we talking about? John Carpenter and George Romero, with their senseless violence and their exploitative films. They're t- like the idea oh, that I, I remember hearing that line. I must have been like looking down, taking notes or something, because I didn't see the lookalikes. Um, here's the thing: what level of hutzpah are we talking about here? Where you are saying? that your films are the sa- potentially the savior of humanity to the point that aliens have to talk shit about them to keep people from watching them. Uh-huh. Like that is, <laughs> that's a pretty, that's a pretty funny shit. Yeah, um, that's good. Let me see if I got uh, Piper. 
uh, pipe. No, I don't think he's on this list. Uh, so we will include him uh, for next year. Piper is 1P, right? P-I-P-E-R? Yeah. All right. I'm adding him to the list. Um, I'm going to actually put him in the top list. Top of the list. Roddy Piper. Thing is, he, I don't think he has a lot of roles. Um, but uh, he deserves he deserves a mention for this for this one alone. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Of, he's got a shitload of credits on IMDb, but the vast majority of them are like wrestling related. And yeah, he's got other movies, but definitely nothing I've seen. Yeah, um, I saw that his daughter became a wrestler. Oh yeah, yeah. All she right. got uh, was like a mi- minor famous. Um, I think she wrestled up until like the last couple years, maybe. I thought that was interesting. Uh, keeping keeping the family name alive. Uh, of course, you know Roddy himself. Like most uh, wrestlers, tragically pass at a relatively young age, sixty one years old. Um, yeah. Damn. Damn. They really put these wrestlers through a lot. <laughs> they sure um, do. What else do we want to talk about? I feel like I'm running out of things to say for the thirty fifth anniversary of They Live. Did you want to talk about the pacing of the ending? Because I know you mentioned it being kind of a hot spot for bad pacing. I, yeah, just if anything, it, I felt like it was a little rushed, but hmm, it's, it's something I just felt like I was getting a little bored. You know, like the we had the the okay. high the, the the alien reveal, and you know him being out from the run of the aliens, and then the big fight scene with Keith Dave, and then it was like once you got to the rebels headquarters, and like it was mm-hmm. exciting, like when the police came and just brutalized everyone and killed everybody, and you know they have to go through this portal, and then they but it was like. I, I don't know. It's just a lot of it felt like foregone conclusion and very small stakes. Again, it's just like yes, the way we win real. is going through a root newsroom and shooting an antenna with the world's smallest gun. It's not the Death Star yeah. run for sure. No, because it wasn't I, doing anything that was like interesting at that point. All it was doing yeah. is concluding the story. Um, it, it was yeah. it was bringing the movie to a climax and that's it. Uh, yeah. And it felt weirdly anticlimactic in that, like, I don't think anything changes. And I, maybe that's, that's the, the point. Thing. So the signal is out. Now what? Right? Uh-huh. Everybody is, quote unquote, awake. Um, they can see the world for what it really is now. Where do we go from here? And the movie does not care to tell you anything about that. It's only, it only tells you this is how you're being controlled. Yeah. The rest is up to you. And I guess like, you know, there's a, I, I guess that's not a bad if you everyone get woke, sure. quote unquote, and all at the same time and on the same page, then. Yeah. And and that, that's the thing. It's like. But man, can they I fight know. a species from another planet that has made it here to enslave us. I mean, the, the, the disparity be the first time between us technology and power is huge there. Right. I mean, okay, so we have numbers. There are more of us than them. But what about the other disparities? So this is 1988. How how old or 97 or 87? So how old was Jeff Goldblum and did they invent the MacBook yet? (laughs) Sure. Because I think if we have those things, we we can we can beat all all comers. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it was weird to me the technology in this too because this is made in '88 when TV stations were run like I I don't know computers that power the Apollo missions and shit um, yeah. stuff that was ancient by the by the time it was put into the studio 
Mm-hmm. And the aliens are just there using all of the same equipment. They've got fucking teleporters from mm-hmm. distant stars that are, are like, you know, a morning commute for them, but they're using our television equipment to broadcast the signal. Yeah, and their their security forces use six shot revolvers. Uh huh. And police batons. Not even in their like super secret space headquarters. There is right, no right. alien technology. No ray guns. No shot collars. No force fields. No. Nope. Just- gravitational lensing teleporters but yeah everything but it's this is this is a john carpenter special right this is this is just a budget thing it's yeah i mean for sure he spent a lot of money on grease paint and uh latex appliances and uh, there's not a lot of money for ray guns and because even the teleporting the, stuff's pretty rough effect yeah it's not you amazing know? but it's he does serviceable. he does one like 60s air star trek effect and one it's i'm pretty sure it's practical it's just a hole cut in something with like a neon light below it. <laughs> oh, oh, the one yeah, that they all the, jump in. Uh huh. The transport hole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it looked it looked fine, but this movie was made on a small budget. It was three million, which uh, in the era is an okay budget. It's not it's not a micro budget, but it's also no, not a big budget. But it's yeah. You're not. I mean, an era of Star Wars. Like I think even like Star Wars is getting like thirty forty million. Uh. You know, a couple uh, years before. Yeah. So for a science fiction horror film, it's pretty, pretty big mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, or pretty small rather. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's the problem and it's not star studded or anything. It's uh, in fact, mm-hmm. it's the opposite. Like we're talking to like Roddy Piper and Keith David, like their major triple A movie star. And they aren't, they are not obviously. Um, no. So like, yeah, this was it's made for a song it's a passion project. Um, What else? We got anything else? Nah, I think that's it. All right. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this this pulp podcast. I'm excited because we are doing a double prestige winter, which means that the first time in several years, Jim and I are going to be able to go through the back catalog and start talking about pulp films. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, we have been doing prestige for two fucking years now. Uh, we are excited to 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 get the, the, to some prestige television that we enjoy and to get some pulp movies. Uh, an opportunity for club members, uh, our top level executive producers get a slate of three movies each week to vote on what they want us to cover. It's going to be a lot of pulp stuff. Uh, might want to check out our club at support.ballmove.com if you want to get uh, have a say in that. Uh, become an executive producer. Uh, we appreciate your support at whatever level. You can also find out what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to be a lot of For All Mankind, a lot of Fargo this winter, and late winter, a lot of True Detective. But if you want to know the ins and outs of our schedule and everything we're covering, including our movies, first-run movies, all that stuff, uh, follow us on social media, at Bald Move Everywhere, except for TikTok. We're at Baldest Move there. And we will be back with another pulp film before you know it. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Hope you've enjoyed the 35th anniversary of They Live. We'll see you next time.